trying to get coffee on Pat's shawl there. <laughs> mm. I actually think this works really well, the color scheme. It's like very nice. Thank you. Pat threw that up there because we didn't have a better option for covering the table. So love that spontaneous in the moment improvisation. It's very missionary. Love it. So it's been a few years since I did an Advent sermon in true Greg style. Uh, Some of you might remember the last one. And this is a losing battle with a 12-foot Christmas tree behind me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay? I was was giving Megan a hard time this morning, uh, teasing her about the difference between loving Christmas and loving Advent. And... um, I mean, honestly, I, I, there's a lot of times, like this moment, where I think very practically like a missionary, which is that I recognize there are some features of our culture that there is nothing I can do about. It's never going to change. People are going to do what they're going to do for their festivities and their seasons. And the best I can do is try to sanctify that. That's it. That's what I've got. And so that's, that's not an unimportant task. And, and I would encourage you to do just that this season. To ask yourselves as regularly as you remember whether or not you're sanctifying these Christmas activities in the name of Jesus. But I do still have a concern. I do still have a concern. And it's pretty simple, and because of that, it's pretty powerful. And it's this. Not just Christmas, but in holidays, in certain seasons of our lives, we naturally, needfully take the opportunity to check out. It's a time of respite, of withdrawal, of recovery from life. It's a time to take a pause, take a breath, feel better, even if just for a season. And my concern is, and now especially when it comes to this moment and this day in particular, my concern is that we fail to understand what hope is in the midst of withdrawal. That we fail to understand what hope is whenever we take a moment to break from the reality that we face on a daily basis. And if we treat Christmas that way, 
We treat Christmas as, oh, finally we have a season of joy. Finally, we have a season where people are cheerfully giving. And the lights are bright and it's nice. If we treat it that way and it remains unsanctified, it's very difficult to grasp hope. Very difficult to understand what we're actually talking about this morning. We light a candle for hope. And I want to ask this morning, why? Why? Why do we hope? Really? Now, I'm taking my cue from the uh, Advent readings. Uh, one of those cool things that happens from time to time just happened, which is that there are four readings, two from the Old Testament, two from the New Testament. And after I wrote my sermon, I decided I was not going to read the two from the New Testament because I felt like four lengthy passages would just be a little much. And then Mike read both of the New Testament passages. So we're covered. Okay. But I've got two New Testament passages this morning, and I've asked Pat and Andrew to come up and read those to us. Um, so both of y'all go on uh, and come on up, um, Pat first, and then Andrew, you can, you can switch with her. The first Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down, how the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then the, your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome things beyond our highest expectations, and oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you and who works for those who wait for him. Mm -hmm. You welcome those who cheerfully do good and follow godly ways. But we are not godly. We are constant sinners, so your anger is heavy on us. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we proudly display our righteous deeds, we find they are but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall. And our sins, like the wind, sweep us away. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. And yet, Lord, you are our Father. 
We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Oh, don't be so angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray, and see that we are your people. It's 80, right? Please listen, O shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph's descendants like a flock. O God, enthroned above the cherubim, display your radiant glory to Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Show us your mighty power. Come to rescue us. Turn us again to yourself, O God. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. O Lord God of heaven's armies, how long will you be angry with our prayers? You have fed us with sorrow and made us drink tears by the bucketful. You have made us the scorn of the neighboring nations. Our enemies treat us as a joke. Turn us again to yourself, O God of heaven armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. You brought us up from Egypt like a grapevine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. You cleared the ground for us, and we took root and filled the land. Our shade covered the mountains. Our branches covered the mighty cedars. We spread our branches west to the Mediterranean Sea. Our shoots spread east to the Euphrates River. But now why have you broken down our walls so that all who pass by may steal our fruit? The wild boar from the forest devours it and the wild animals feed on it. Come back, we beg you, O God of heaven's armies. Look down from heaven and see our plight. Take care of this grapevine that you yourself have planted, this sun that you have raised for yourself, for we are chopped up and burned by our enemies. May they perish at the sight of your frown. Strengthen the man you love, the son of your choice. Then we will never abandon you again. Revive us so we can call on your name once more. Turn us again to yourself, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. Why do we call for God our Father to come again? Why do we plead for God, our shepherd, to restore us. In, in large part, I'm asking that question because of the reality of our experience. The reality expressed in the psalm that God seems not 
to intervene. That things seem to keep happening. That we go on and on. I'm asking why do we light a candle for hope? Because I'm asking how dare we hope? I mean that in... I mean that in the most honest way possible. We look at our own lives. Sin, pain, confusion, fatigue. Of course we want a respite. Of course we want to check out. This is what we've been living through. It's not all bad. There's lots of good things. There's bright moments. But man, at the end of another year, it's like, I sure wouldn't mind having a break. And maybe this has been a particularly bad year. Maybe you've had a few of those. Maybe you've reached a point in your life where you recognize there's a few more coming. We look at the lives of others around us. Hard-heartedness, captivity, trauma, despair. I listened to a conversation on Thursday evening. It was nice. We, we shared our meal. We had a big fire going. Andrew donated a bunch of firewood, so we had a nice blaze. And... Some people left, but a, a number were just sitting around, around the fire, talking. And the conversation at one moment was about why some of our friends who were sitting around that fire wouldn't choose to go into transitional housing. Why they would rather just stay outside. And as I listened to the things that were expressed, deeply held, emotionally held reasons why taking the next step, which would be logical for many of us, in order to take the next one and why they wouldn't do that, why they would choose not to. And I heard terrible reasons for that. Good reasons from their perspective. For mine, reasons that make me think, what hope is there for someone who thinks this way, for someone who would prefer this to that. What hope is there? What hope is there when the drugs are in the mix? When the trauma, the crippling social anxiety is a part of it? What, what hope is there?
Look at our present situ- situation as a culture. You know, and I think we've talked about this before, but there's this, this cliche from generation to generation. Look how much worse it is now than when we were kids. And I think some of that's an illusion. I think some of that's nostalgia. You don't need the comparison to look around and see how messed up things are. You didn't need the comparison in Jim Crow America to look around and see how messed up things are. You don't need the comparison now to see the materialism and the nationalism, the the tribalism run rampant. To see catastrophe on the news Again, again, war, war teetering toward global conflict as though we haven't been here before. You know, World War I broke the spirit of the optimistic enlightenment. And World War II buried it. And yet, and yet, here we are again. Not in a world war, but slouching toward one. Watching other people kill each other. For whatever reason. Catastrophe. How dare we hope when two world wars aren't enough to teach us a lesson? You look at the history of humanity more broadly. I mean hubris, violence, tribalism. It's just par for the course. Look at the unknown that we live with on a constant basis. Our uncertainty, our impatience the deception that skews our vision, the distraction from what matters. You look at the church and you think, oh boy, 2,000 years of this. How much has changed? How dare we hope? I want to give you the reason that I hope, despite all of that. And my point is, I want to own up to all of that. I don't want to check out. I don't want to ignore it. I don't want to pretend like that's not the way things are. Because Christmas may be, but Advent is not a season of pretending like everything is okay. Like everything's good for just a minute. Advent is is the moment when we look at that straight on and we hope. We affirm our hope in the face of grotesque, relentless, brutal pain. Of course we give thanks for when that's not the case. But 
this is the moment when we live in the darkness and light a candle. This is the moment when we say yes to God even when we feel like He's probably not coming. Revelation 1.5 says this, and this is why I hope. To Him who loves us and freed us from our sins by His blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests, serving His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And on this account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. Just to remind you, Advent means coming. The coming of God. We cry out, Oh, that you would come down, tear open the heavens, and shake the earth. Will you come We plead, God, our shepherd, come restore us as you once did. Come. We look to Jesus, child who is God come in the flesh. And we look to the horizon of human history the very edge past the catastrophe. And we see what the revelator saw. He comes. And this is the deep truth at the heart of this moment in Advent when we light this candle. That the revelator says not the God who was and is and will be the God who was and is and will come. This is who our God is. The coming one. That's why I hope. Hope is not about pretending It's not about a temporary reprieve from the grind. It's not a season. It's not a holiday. It is not good cheer, warm drinks, and bright lights. It is a candle, a light in the darkness, a promise of what we do not yet have, either by faith or by force of will. Hope is the truth we speak to one another if we have the courage. 
It is our memory that God has come and will come. Hope is a child in a womb where no life should grow. A possibility, a promise. Hope is the prayer of a Jewish girl who says, Let it be with me according to your will. Hope is the song that girl sings in praise of a God who makes the impossible possible. The world shaking upheaval of the way things are. The proud, the powerful, the rich brought low. The humble, the weak, the poor lifted up. Hope is the song of the church that sincerely prays, Come, Lord Jesus, and sings her faith week after week, week after week. Hope is our vision of a future filled with God's presence, despite everything, in the midst of everything, here and now. So my encouragement to you is very simple this morning. That in this season, you put your hope in God. Turn your eyes on the God who has shaken the foundations of human history. Add your voice to the chorus of saints who sing in desperate longing and relentless hope in the God who works for us. Put your trust in the faithfulness of the God who called you into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And wait patiently for the God who comes in power and glory to gather His people from every nation. Be reminded, church, He has come. He will come. He comes. God bless you this morning with hope. In the name of Jesus, our Lord.